Hey friends, I'm Jeremy Hearn, and welcome to the Saint Friends Podcast, a podcast for Catholics, non-Catholics, and really anyone interested in learning about the lives of some ordinary people who lived extraordinary lives and answered God's call to holiness. Today's Saint Friend is probably one of the best-known doctors of the church and made a point to use his golden tongue to lift up the poor, deliver criticisms to the wealthy, oh, and proclaim the gospel. So let's summarize a bunch of two-hour-long sermons into just a few minutes with our new friend, St. John Chrysostom. When John was born around the year 347, the Roman Empire was effectively divided into two halves, the Eastern and Western Empire. In the Eastern Empire, Constantinople was the capital city, if you will, but Antioch, the birthplace of our saint friend today, was the second largest city. In addition to a future saint, Antioch was also home to pagans, Manichaeans, Gnostics, Arians, Apollinarians, basically heretics of every kind as well as some Christians and Jews. The Christians were divided, like the empire, because of a conflict between the bishops Paulinus and future saint Miletius. So to say that John grew up in a kind of difficult spot is a bit of an understatement. His father, a man named Secundus, was a high-ranking officer in the army who died shortly after the birth of John, leaving his wife, Anthusia, who was only 20 years old, to care for their two children. Anthusia was a strong and intelligent woman who raised John and his older sister and eventually sent him to the best schools in Antioch. At school, John closely followed the lectures of Andragatius, a philosopher, and Libanius, an intense public speaker who practiced the soon-to-die-out pagan religion of Rome. John was trained in the classical Greek school and would later defend the Catholic faith while denouncing the myths of the pagan gods. Around the year 367, John's life radically changed when he met the bishop Meletius. He was so taken by the presence and teachings of the bishop that he withdrew from his classical studies and devoted himself to religious life. Instead of the pantheon of Greek gods, John studied the Bible and attended the sermons of the bishop instead of his school lectures. Three years later, he was baptized and commissioned as a lector someone who reads from the Bible at Mass. John wanted more, though, so he entered one of the religious communities near Antioch, where he studied the faith under the direction of Carterius and later Diodorus, the future bishop of Tarsus. For four years, John prayed, studied, and did manual labor until he decided to live in isolation in a cave, fully removing himself from the world in order to give himself over to prayer. He went a bit overboard in fasting and staying awake for days at a time out in the cold, so he became very sick. He returned to Antioch to recover, but his body would always be frail after this time in his life. Around the year 381, Bishop Meletius ordained John as a deacon of the church, just before Meletius left to preside over the Second Ecumenical Council in Constantinople, where he died. 
Fortunately, Meletius was succeeded by future Saint Flavian as bishop, and John became friends with him almost immediately. As a deacon, John assisted at the Mass, but also cared for the poor and sick, and spent much of his time teaching those who were interested in Christianity about the faith. Right around the time that John wrote his most famous book called On the Priesthood, Flavian ordained John as a priest. This was likely around the year 386, when John was about 40 years old, and suddenly his legacy to the church was starting to really take shape. Over the next 12 years, John would preach, sometimes alongside Bishop Flavian and other times in place of him. One of the early notable times that John preached was during Lent of 387, when he gave a sermon called On the Statues, in which he addressed the incident in Antioch, where the people had thrown the statues of the emperor Theodosius into the river in protest of the new taxes. John gave a series of about 20 sermons in an effort to subdue the people and retain order in the city until Bishop Flavian was able to return from Constantinople with a pardon for the whole city from the emperor. John's usual preaching involved continuous explanations of the scriptures and commentaries to follow that focused on dogma, morality, and historical context. Sometimes these lasted for up to two hours, but were so enrapturing to the people that he gained the name Golden Mouth, or Chrysostomos in Greek. Additionally, Flavian saw John was headed for bigger things, and so John, along with his friend and future saint, Basil, was asked to accept a position as a bishop. It's likely that John took over in Antioch for a short time after Flavian's death, but on September 27, 397, Nectarius, the bishop of Constantinople, died, and John was appointed as his successor, being consecrated on February 26th of 398. Constantinople was the quote-unquote big city, but it was still starting out, situated as half-eastern and half-western, full of people from all walks of life, with most either being extremely wealthy or the poorest of the poor. The clergy were all ethnically and culturally similar and didn't reflect the people they ministered to, and that pesky schism between the two now-dead bishops still lingered in the city. John's first order of business was to reunite the eastern sect of the church with Rome. He then cut down on the episcopal expenses, ending the frequent banquets at the bishop's home and living almost as minimally as he had in the religious community of Antioch, before he went to the cave. He didn't take it that far. He forbid the clergy from keeping women housekeepers in their homes, because despite the women and the clergy's promise of celibacy, they were anything but. He ousted a number of the clergy who were clouded in scandal or living lives of extreme luxury. Among them were one deacon who was actively committing adultery, and another who was wanted for murder. The religious monks also roamed about doing whatever they felt like, and John literally locked them up in their monasteries. Having dealt with the clergy, it was now time to focus on the flock that he was to shepherd. John frequently preached against the excesses of the rich, often using fiery language. The upper class was not used to such an outright attack against them and worked to rid themselves of this meddlesome priest. In reality, John was loved by the people in Constantinople, and within the first year was able to build a hospital for the poor with the money he had saved just from his own house alone. 
The wealthy, however, drew up a list of accusations against him. They eventually got their way when at a synod, John refused to restore things to the way they used to be, despite the urgings of other bishops, who were paid off by the wealthy elite, by the way, and he was exiled. John returned to Constantinople eventually, and he quickly got into more trouble when he complained to the prefect of the city about the celebrations following the unveiling of the new statue of the Empress Eudocia, because the church offices had been damaged. The prefect reported personally to the empress that John had complained about her statue, so she summoned the other bishops and had them exile him again. Twice he was almost killed, including at the Easter Vigil in 404, when soldiers invaded the building as John was trying to baptize the new Christians into the church. Eventually, the Pope and future Saint Innocent I and the Roman Emperor Honorius were made aware of his situation and tried to remedy it with a synod, but after their messengers were imprisoned, they fully cut off communication with the Eastern Church for a time. John's frail body was aging, and eventually he died on September 14th in the year 407. His last words were, quote, Glory be to God for all things, end quote. And this is my favorite part. In the year 438, his body was moved and reburied at the Church of the Apostles in Constantinople, after they dug up and removed the previous occupant, the Empress Eudocia, who had exiled him during his life. Thanks for joining me today as we've talked about the golden-tongued doctor of the church, St. John Chrysostom. I know this was a long one, but thanks for sticking in there with me. Just a quick reminder, you can reach out to us by email at saintfriendspodcast at gmail.com or on social media at saintfriendspod. If you like the podcast, Leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on, because that helps the algorithm get the podcast out to people who may not know about it yet. And as always, you can find us at our website, saintfriends.com. As we wrap up, we ask for the prayers of our new saint friend. We may not all be the best public speakers. Hey, I tend to record episodes at about 7 a.m. before anyone else is in the office. But may we have the strength to stand up like John Chrysostom and profess our faith and the truths of the gospel of Jesus. Let's let the life of our new saint friend lead us toward the unification of all people in faith, instead of away from it. We say together, St. John Chrysostom, pray for us.